This is Joe Alcock. I am the author of the Evolution Medicine blog, and we're starting a new podcast. So this podcast is the Evolution Medicine podcast, and I am aware that there are uh, some similarly named podcasts out there, but thus far, there is no Evolution Medicine podcast, which is the name of the blog that I have published since 2008. And as far as I can tell, there is no a recurring podcast on the topic, uh, which is the focus of this podcast, and that is evolutionary medicine. So this podcast will describe a little bit about me, about why we're doing this, and uh, what evolutionary medicine is. And I just came back from the second annual conference uh, for the International Society of Evolution, Medicine, and Public Health, and this most recent one was held in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, it was fantastic, uh, an exciting event. Uh, it brought together a lot of physicians, uh, public health professionals, nurses, evolutionary anthropologists, evolutionary psychologists, uh, geneticists, evolutionary biologists, uh, students, trainees, at a bunch of different levels and from a variety of other disciplines that I haven't even mentioned, sort of an amazing interdisciplinary conference on the topic of evolutionary medicine. Uh, so before I go any further, um, you know, what were we all doing there and what was this all about? Uh, evolutionary medicine is uh, alternately called Darwinian medicine, and I'll describe a little bit about that history and kind of where, where things are at. Um, but really, evolutionary medicine is the application of evolutionary biology to biomedicine. So health and disease, public health, uh, why we get sick, all these kinds of concepts are wrapped up in this idea of evolutionary medicine. And again, we're talking about evolutionary biology. We're not talking about evolution in its generic sense uh, denoting change. Um, so change is a big part of what evolutionary medicine is all about, uh, but we're going to focus on um, uh, those people that have made evolutionary medicine into its own scientific discipline uh, focus on evolution in a Darwinian sense. And I think it's worth describing, at least talking about, whether um, evolutionary medicine really is a distinct scientific discipline, whether it is its own thing, um, or, or whether it is so muddled because it is uh, so interdisciplinary, as I've alluded to. So, you know, biomedicine or medicine has uh, progressed along its own track during most of the 20th century, um, really kind of separate in many ways from uh, progress being made in evolutionary biology. Uh, so the, the concept of evolutionary medicine, um, I think, first had its origins uh, in the beginning of evolutionary biology um, during what was called the modern synthesis. So this modern synthesis... Uh, combined progress in both genetics and evolutionary biology and integrated Darwinian evolution with by natural selection along with Mendelian genetics. So that provided a unified framework for biology. Um, so there were some hints, I think, early on in the middle part of the last century that uh, you know, medicine might have a place in the modern synthesis, but really medicine was largely left out. Um, so we'll say that a few pioneers applied the ideas of pop population genetics and natural selection to human diseases in the 1950s. Uh, for instance, in uh, theorizing about 
um, an adaptive value for uh, the sickle cell uh, trait um, and malaria. Uh, but that, that was, I would say, more the exception than the rule. And when you look at medical education and how we physicians get trained, so I should mention that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a doctor, I'm a physician um, who works uh, at the University of New Mexico in the Department of Emergency Medicine, and I uh, take care of sick people that, that show up in the ER, in the emergency department. And um, in my education, there was very little mention of evolution. So that's true for not just me, but, but I'd say most, most everybody, uh, even at the place where I work, which is the University of New Mexico. So like where I've studied and uh, now practice, um, even though I hate to say this, but medical education typically omits evolutionary biology. Uh, and instead, we learn a lot, of, a lot about pathophysiology, about causes of diseases. These are the nuts and bolts kind of mechanical or mechanistic um, explanations for why things go wrong with our bodies. Um, so that, is there a problem with that? I'd say there is. Uh, you can't really do medicine without um, understanding the role of evolution, especially uh, as we enter um, you know, this new phase of, of medicine in which we're finding that antibiotics don't work. Um, we're discovering uh, the, the rapid role of somatic evolution in cancer. Uh, evolution is becoming central, really central to uh, the directions of where, where medicine is going. Okay, I've mentioned evolutionary medicine, made a little brief stab at defining it. Um, there's also this term floating out there called Darwinian medicine. And what is uh, Darwinian medicine? Well, it's, it's the first definition of this enterprise, you know, application of concepts of evolutionary biology to health and disease. And that really gained currency in 1991 with publication of uh, an article in the Quarterly Review of Biology by... Uh, Randy Nessie and George Williams um, called the dawn, dawn of Darwinian medicine. So 1991. So I think we can uh, date the term Darwinian medicine to 1991. Uh, but really that, that term has been supplanted by and large with the, the, the term evolutionary medicine. Uh, we'll, we'll describe why that is. Um, so a bit about this uh, kind of important first paper that described Darwinian medicine, uh, the Donald Darwinian medicine, as I mentioned, published in 1991 uh, by Randolph Nessie. He's a psychiatrist at the, he was at the University of Michigan at the time this was published. He's now at the Arizona State University Center for Evolution and Medicine. And George C. Williams, a uh, famous evolutionary biologist, um, made important contributions to the concepts of adaptation, which I think apply uh, in large measure to biomedicine and uh, clinical medicine. Uh, but again, he was an evolutionary biologist at the University of Michigan. These two got together and they um, uh, made the case for using evolutionary biology in clinical medicine and medical education and medical research. Uh, that was some time ago. So here we are, um, more than two decades later, uh, have we kind of is it, has, was there a dawn? Are we into the day? Uh, kind of where, where are we at? Um, and I think we've definitely made progress. Um, I'll outline some of that a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think up until pretty recently, you could even, you could, you could argue just based on uh, what people, you know, 
their understanding of, of this idea. So is there a distinct scientific discipline called evolutionary medicine? What is it? Is it important? Do people need it? Uh, how do we know if this scientific approach is, is, is a success? Um, maybe these kinds of things are just a little bit um, unclear, at least up until recently. I think that we've made a lot of progress, actually. So I did a little uh, searching in using both PubMed and Google Scholar, looking for different article titles uh, using the, the, the phrase uh, evolutionary medicine. And I also um, used terms that are embedded in uh, the um, National Library of Medicine. Uh, these, these are called MeSH terms or subject headings, medical subject headings, uh, to try to figure out whether um, you know these evolutionary concepts really had made their way into the biomedical literature. Um, so I'll describe a little bit about how uh, I used a search uh, method to figure out if evolutionary medicine is a thing and whether uh, the journals that um, published uh, articles on evolutionary medicine and a little bit about their impact factor, um, whether they're actually making an impact. And I think that, again, it's, it's a valuable question to ask whether since 1991, when that first paper came out, whether uh, evolutionary medicine uh, has grown in a way that really would support um, its idea as a distinct scientific enterprise. So I've mentioned that evolutionary medicine is the application of evolutionary biology to health and disease. Uh, when I have gone out to look for evolutionary medicine in the literature, looking in Google Scholar, etc., I've, I've looked for articles that kind of follow... Um, Look, overlap in three different domains. So one is there has to be an evolutionary concept. So something like natural selection, adaptation, uh, genetic drift, uh, some evolutionary idea. Uh, it has to relate to health and disease, uh, preferably of humans. Um, so this, you know, there's one could argue that uh, veterinary medicine um, can be in the larger purview of evolutionary medicine, but. For the purposes of uh, certainly my career and the things that, that I do, um, I'm going to uh, limit this discussion to uh, humans and associated biota. So this would be microbiome, microbiome as well as uh, pathogens. And you, know, you can do a little quick search. You can do this yourself. You can just put in the search term evolutionary medicine uh, or Darwinian medicine into Google Scholar. And then you can look at the number of, uh, there's a way to search by year. And you can plot out the number of um, hits you get get per year. Um, so let's just do this right now. So it went from um, essentially almost undetectable in 1990 uh, to well over 500 publications in 2011. Um, let's just see if we can do this right now. I'm just typing in Google Scholar. Maybe we can get an updated 2015 uh, metric. So we'll type in the search term evolutionary medicine. See what we get. And we'll just do since 2015. Um, well, 906 results. That's just for the term evolutionary medicine. And if we add in Darwinian medicine, we get an additional 178. So over a thousand hits uh, in Google for people that are using those terms in their literature. Um, so over a thousand in the last, since 2015, uh, either using Darwinian medicine or 
evolutionary medicine. Not a huge, huge number. I think it, let's, let's just for fun, do nanomedicine. Just something. 18,000 since 2015. So, uh, there are other newer areas of medicine that, uh, at least, you know, as, as a idea has taken off in science or in the popular culture have really taken off. Um, nanomedicine might be an example of this. Um, but there has been steady, uh, almost exponential increase in uh, citations using the search terms evolutionary medicine, Darwinian medicine. I think there's room. There's room uh, to, to grow here. I think that, that much is clear. Uh, if you do the same thing uh, in PubMed, um, you can look for search terms, biological evolution and medicine. Um, and again, the, I... Uh, I did this as an exercise um, and published it in the Journal of Evolutionary Medicine back in 2012, uh, and showing pretty much exponential growth uh, in publications using those terms. So again, from almost nothing in 1990 up to um, you know several hundred uh, in 2009. So just out of for interest's sake, let's do the same thing now. So we're going to go to the National Library of Medicine, go to PubMed, just typing it in right now. And we'll put in these, uh, oops, these terms. So in PubMed, pubmed.gov, uh, which is part of the U.S. National Library of Medicine, and I used uh, these MESH terms. These are me medical subject headings. Uh, they have specific terms that, that allow for um, easier searching. If we look at uh, biological evolution and medicine, both put in as mesh terms, we get uh, 4,000 results. So a decent decent number. I'm just going to look at what's happened since January of 2015 up until the current date, 206. And let's see what we get. So just filtering these results from uh, just the most recent ones. We get 274. These are in PubMed. So this is uh, where the uh, librarians at the National Library of Medicine assign um, that article. So has something to do with medicine and biological evolution. This may be an underestimate, um, but there's, there's a decent number here. Um, a lot having to do with epidemiology, much having to do with evolution of viruses, uh, and um, other uh, articles describing human evolutionary history that may have some medical uh, relationship. So there's there's something out there. We're we're making we're making some progress, I think. Um, but uh, actually, if I look at you know, data from 2010 2009, it doesn't. It looks like it has flattened out. There was exponential growth between 1990 and 2009, and now um, perhaps things are flattening out a little bit uh, at about 300 publications per year. So not huge, but maybe that will change. So according to uh, looking at an annual growth rate, which I calculated earlier, uh, we found a, um, about a 25% annual growth rate in publications with those with mesh terms involving evolution in medicine, uh, compared to about a 4% annual growth rate in PubMed overall. So some some uh, growth that supports the idea that evolution evolutionary medicine is a thing. Um, so if you're going to have a scientific field, I think it helps to agree on terminology. And we've had both evolutionary medicine and Darwinian medicine. It's pretty clear if you look up in PubMed or Google Scholar or the ISI Web of Knowledge 
that right now there's far more uh, results that you get with evolutionary medicine than Darwinian medicine. This is a, a preferred term. And what I did was I, did, I looked at the Ngram viewer on Google that looks at uh, the use of different uh, words or word combinations in, um, in the in digitized books. And there's clearly, well, at least up until um, mid the mid-2000s, uh, there was definitely preference for Darwinian medicine. We're talking some pretty tiny numbers overall. Uh, but uh, steady growth for evolutionary medicine in the more recent years. So evolutionary medicine has supplanted the older term Darwinian medicine. I think that's good, actually. Um, I think that the term evolutionary connotes progress, uh, forward thinking, um, kind of makes a fair amount of sense when you think about um, a good descriptor of, of uh, the state of the art with, with regard to um, evolution and medicine as a, its own discipline. Whereas Darwinian medicine, you conjure up a, a picture of an old guy and you think back to, you know, um, gosh, the 19th century. Uh, so important, legitimate, in some ways perhaps better uh, to use Darwinian than evolutionary, but I think in terms of its connotations, um, evolutionary is better. Okay. So when you look at, so I've mentioned these medical subject headings in PubMed to try to figure out which ones map best to evolution in medicine, uh, biological evolution being the top one, uh, as well as humans. Uh, but there are some other ones that you can do if, if you're going to do a search uh, using one of these tools. Um, genetic selection, uh, that's one. So you put that in. Uh, also, you can do adaptation, uh, which is problematic because it may not describe actually Darwinian adaptation. Um, molecular evolution is another. Medicine or uh, biological adaptation as opposed to physiological adaptation. And then phylogeny. So these, these are the major terms. Uh, I will post these in the show notes on the blog so you can take a good look at them. Uh, what's important is that um, the search terms that we started out with looking at uh, evolutionary medicine or Darwinian medicine may not capture everything that's being done in this field. I think this is true just from the uh, papers that were cited in the conference that we just came from. There were over 250 uh, attendees. Uh, we had uh, over uh, 100 presentations of different um, scientists doing work in evolutionary medicine. And it's unclear whether in that published work that was being described if the scientists actually included the terms evolutionary medicine in their work. So this is a problem. I think that, you know, as for a developing field, we need to come up with a better way of uh, marketing and branding ourselves, um, people that are interested in this field. So we'll, we'll, we'll mention that. Uh, how about journals? Journals that public ev publish evolutionary medicine. In the paper that I wrote a couple of years ago in the Journal of Evolutionary Medicine, a paper called The Emergence of Evolutionary Medicine, um, I found that there were a variety of journals that publish in evolutionary medicine. These are uh, include such important works as Science and Nature, uh, but also, of course, the Quarterly Review of Biology, uh, Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, um, BMC Evolutionary Biology, uh, American Journal of Human Biology, um, Journal of Virology, uh, PLOS One. So there were a variety of, uh, of pretty important um, journals publishing in evolutionary medicine. And 
I think the important thing to mention now is that we now have uh, um, a couple new journals. So pretty cool. There is, I've mentioned there's a Journal of Evolutionary Medicine, uh, which has a pretty thin publication history um, since it started in about 2011, I think. Uh, the other uh, more, um, more accepted and uh, richer uh, journal with um, richer in terms of publications is the Journal of Evolution Medicine Public Health, uh, published by Oxford University Press. Um, that journal um, has been headed up by uh, Steve Stearns, um, and the editor recently uh, is going to. The baton has been passed to, to Charlie Nunn of uh, Duke University. So the other new journal, uh, Journal of Evolutionary Medicine. Uh, the chief editor is Paul Ewald, an uh, important figure in this, this new f field of evolutionary medicine. If you're going to have a field, it's nice to have both journals to publish in. And uh, we've mentioned there is uh, now this annual meeting and there's a society. There's a society for um, this International Society for Evolution, Medicine, Public Health, of which I am a member. Uh, I, want, I think people should sign up for it. Go check it up. I will put links to the society on my uh, website. Uh, for people to take a look at. Um, it's a, but it's important also to have textbooks, and there are a variety. Um, Steve Stearns, uh, who is editor of the Evolution Medicine Public Health uh, Journal, also uh, has published um, uh, several textbooks on evolutionary medicine. There's one uh, published by Peter Gluckman uh, entitled Principles of Evolutionary Medicine, and there are probably one or two coming out um, every year now. So there are a variety of textbooks. I don't think that there's any consensus on which one is the absolute best. Uh, and for the class that I teach at the University of New Mexico, we've taken excerpts from, uh, from several of them. So let's suppose that um, you're a practicing physician or a resident or registrar in training, uh, perhaps a fellow, and you want to get some more training in evolutionary medicine. Uh, there have been some new training opportunities um, uh, that have been uh, recently available. Um, certainly, the, I'd say the, the premier uh, opportunity for networking, uh, figuring out um, ways to learn more about evolutionary medicine is to go to uh, the conference that I, I just attended. Uh, so that was at um, the one we had in Durham, North Carolina, uh, by the uh, International Society for Evolution Medicine Public Health, or ISEMF. Uh, next year's meeting is going to be in Groningen in uh, the Netherlands, and then uh, we're planning a meeting right here in the United States. Um, there had been uh, workshops at the Mount Desert Island Biological Lab that's in Maine. Uh, there were a couple of important workshops in 2012 and 2011, um, and there are workshops happening at the Center for Evolution and Medicine at Arizona State University. It's worth mentioning that uh, there is a, a couple of uh, other resources for people interested in this topic. Uh, there's an important website called the Evolution and Medicine Review. Again, uh, I'll put that link in the, um, in the show notes. So, so in summary, I've given a really brief overview about kind of what evolutionary medicine is about, uh, what, you know, the state of the science is at the moment. Um, in summary, it's still a developing field. So this prolonged dawn for Darwinian or evolutionary medicine may be brightening, 
there's clearly a, a need. I think there's a need for uh, uniformity in the use of terminology among researchers so you can easily find articles, um, perhaps even a new medical subject heading and the, and the uh, uh, in PubMed would be of help. It would certainly drive better scholarly activity in this area. There are new centers for research that have emerged, uh, both in Zurich, Switzerland, as well as uh, the Nescent, the center that Charlie Nunn heads up in North Carolina, and also uh, the Center for Evolution and Medicine at Arizona State University. We have two new journals. Uh, there are CME, or Continuing Medical Education, credits now available um, at the conference that I just went to. There, there was some of that. Uh, so lots of cool stuff going on. I'll mention a couple other resources that are uh, of note. One is EvMedEd. So this is a free open access medical education resource in evolutionary medicine. Uh, it can be found at evmeded.org. Again, I'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, so this includes lectures uh, performed by uh, researchers in evolutionary medicine, um, as well as uh, it features a link to the textbook uh, by Steve Stearns that I had touched on earlier, uh, links to other websites, uh, the network of people that have attended the meetings that are members of the, of the society, um, books, articles, uh, as well as syllabus, Opportunities if you want to teach the topic of evolutionary medicine. Those are all at EdMedEd. And I'm going to wrap this up. I don't want to keep these podcasts too much longer than, uh, you know, half an hour at the most. We'll be posting a podcast weekly at my site, evolutionmedicine.com. And again, this is the Evolution Medicine blog and podcast. Uh, so in summary... Evolutionary medicine is a thing. It's uh, it really is taking shape. Uh, I would say, you know, as one who actually teaches this in the medical school at the university where um, I'm a professor, there there isn't enough of it, and I don't think the students and residents and even my own colleagues are really uh, getting the proper background in evolutionary biology that they need to do their jobs. Uh, we are going to outline in the coming weeks ways in which this innovative approach is useful both for education, uh, for research, and for taking care of patients, all three of those things. Um, a, a couple just concluding thoughts. It occurs to me that you know I've published uh, papers on what I consider evolutionary medicine. And even I don't necessarily always include the search term evolutionary medicine as one of the, the keywords in the papers that I publish. So again, just to sort of highlight this idea that there's a, a bit of a branding problem that, um, that to stimulate some discussion, maybe we need a new, uh, way to describe what we do. Um, maybe, and this would even be better. I don't think, I don't think we're quite there yet. Maybe evolution is just finding its way into more and more publications, which I think this is probably true, but, uh, not uh, not being called evolutionary medicine. Uh, is that a problem? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, definitely worth a discussion. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll revisit that idea. Um, and then, you know, finally, so I've, I've given a couple of brief examples of um, what the, the biggest areas in which I think evolutionary medicine are going to have the highest impact. Um, these are things like uh, 
resistance evolution, the fact that we are running out of antibiotics uh, to treat uh, pathogens and common infections. Um, we're throwing the kitchen sink at patients that come in with, with uh, serious infections in a way that we never used to, I don't think. Uh, it used to be simpler. Now we're giving people cocktails of multiple antibiotics, uh, which has its own set of uh, problems. So we're entering, people have said that we're entering this post-antibiotic era. Uh, we're not quite there yet, but we're, we are entering a scary phase uh, in medicine in which medications will have to be deployed in a way that's very different from before. Evolution can help with that. The other big area which has gathered a lot of attention is the idea of evolution and cancer. Uh, and there are conferences on this topic uh, led by my friends, uh, Athena Actippus and Carlo Maley. Uh, great work is being done in this area. There may be uh, something exciting um, breakthroughs in this area. That's, that's, watch that space. Uh, that's an important one. And then finally, the area of the microbiome, which is one of my areas of interest. And I think that how we humans interact with our microbiomes is an evolutionary story. And it has a great potential to highlight the importance of evolution in human health and make it clear to people uh, that um, you can't ignore evolution when it comes to uh, an ongoing struggle that we have between ourselves and our microbial world. Big area. We'll touch on that in future podcasts. So with that, uh, we'll conclude this uh, first podcast, uh, Evolution Medicine. Uh, thanks for listening.